At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. Hello again. Great to see you here today. Now, I want to um, begin by sharing a little bit of my preparation this week. Uh, I want you to know that in preparation for today's message, I went home and I jumped online. I'm pretty sure I've lost some of you already. Okay, here's the deal. I want you to stay with me because what I found online is actually worthwhile for all of us to consider today. Now, here's what I did. I went to Google. We're familiar with the Googles. And uh, what I did was I typed in, what is the church? Pretty basic, straightforward search. A mere one billion 850 million results popped up. I saw posts from Focus on the Family. I saw posts from Ligonier Ministries. I saw posts from Got Questions. I saw stuff from the Gospel Coalition. And on and on and on it went. But I want you to know, 1,850 million articles is a lot to read. I know you guys think I only work on Sundays. But it's a lot to go through. Now, the truth is, as you look through those different articles, not all of them, but many of them, uh, what you find is that there are many views on what the church actually is and what the church is not. This morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reflecting upon what the scriptures teach us about God's church And we're going to see how this aligns with what I believe is the most misunderstood line in all of the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to do that together in just a moment. We're going to open God's word. We're going to affirm the creed. But before we do that, let's pray together. Gracious God, we are a people who you have invited to this place today because we desire to know truth. You've established your church as a place where truth is honored, where truth is lifted high, where truth is taught and listened to and preached and declared through song and prayer. We are a people who desire truth. And yet in a world that seems that it is moving further and further away from truth, God, our hearts long to know your truth. And so we want to submit to your word today because it is truth. Has everything we need to walk out our faith in real practical ways to know how to live this life that you have blessed us with. But God, in order to fully wrap our minds around this truth, we need you to open our eyes today. 
We need you to give us ears to hear clearly this truth as it's proclaimed. And then, God, we need humble, genuine hearts before you that might not just listen to the truth, but then let it permeate our lives and then let it flow out from us today. So God, minister to us, we ask, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak truth to our hearts now, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, White Lake family, we are nearing the end of our nine-part sermon series where we have been looking at the essential teachings of the historic Christian faith as they are expressed in something known as the Apostles' Creed. Uh, today, we reach part seven of our sermon series. And the sermon series, as you can see behind me, is titled The Essentials, Why Truth Matters. Why truth matters. Now, as we get to what I believe and I mentioned just a moment ago is the most misunderstood line in all of the Apostles' Creed, I'm going to recite it to you. It reads, I believe in the holy Catholic universal church and the communion of saints. I'm going to pause right there because some of you are really troubled right now because you said, wait a second. I affirm the Catholic church. Wait a second, I'm not Catholic. I'm in a Bible church. Why am I affirming the Catholic church? It's a great question. Others of you heard it a little bit differently. You said, wait a second, you said universal. I'm not a universalist. Why would I affirm those things? Those are very real questions, and I hope that we're going to deliver some answers to you on that misunderstood line in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we're going to do that because what we've been proclaiming throughout the series is that truth matters. We've stated that numerous times, week after week, truth matters, truth matters, and the truth is in fact expressed in words, and so therefore words matter. And so we can't just say we believe in the Holy Catholic Universal Church without just kind of by glossing over it. We need to enter into it and lean into it and see what it does in fact mean. So in the Apostles' Creed, I want you to know that that was a creed that was created in the second century. And the word Catholic does not, underline not, refer exclusively to the Roman Catholic Church. I want to make that very clear. I want to make that abundantly clear. Instead, what the word Catholic means is general, universal, or concerning the whole. I'm going to say that one more time. It means general, it means the universal, or it means concerning all of it, concerning the whole. I think it's expressed really effectively by a Baptist theologian by the name of Timothy George. Here's how he explains it. He says, when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, what we are confessing is that Jesus Christ himself is the church's one foundation and that all, all who truly trust in him as Savior and as Lord by God's grace are members of this church and that the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. So, 
With this as our baseline understanding, I want us to go ahead and do what we've been doing throughout this series, and that is affirm this particular truth, this core truth from the Apostles' Creed, and I'd like us to do it together. I believe in the Holy Catholic Universal Church, the communion of saints. So that statement is going to be our guide today as we seek to align our beliefs in our context with the historic Christian church. So I want us to now grab our Bibles. And what we're going to find is that what the scriptures teach us supports the idea of the universal or the church as a whole. The Catholic nature of it. So I want us to grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to read a large segment, but we're going to process it for the first segment and then the second segment as we work through today's message. So Ephesians chapter 4, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, there's one faith, There's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We're going to stop there. You see, Paul is writing to a group of believers in a place called Ephesus. And what we need to know about Ephesus is it was this thriving port city. And there's a group of believers there. And what he is trying to help them understand is the importance of the community of faith. The importance of one another, the importance of each other as they do life together. You might say, well, how do I know this? Well, let's go back to the text. Listen once again as we consider verse 1. Notice his passion. He says, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling. Well, what does that look like? How can I walk in a manner worthy? He says to do so, you need to practice humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 3, and we do those things for the unity of the Spirit. We do all those things for the unity of the Spirit. Paul's directions here are very clear. They're very concise. He gives them right there, and he makes them abundantly clear. But there is one big question. You'd say, well, how am I supposed to do that, Pastor? Let's look at verses 4 through 6. He said, for there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, it is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, it is about Jesus. It is for those who are in Christ by God's grace through our faith that you have become part of one faith community. 
for all who have been walking in sin, recognize their way of sin, turn from that sin in repentance and belief upon Jesus who died on a cross for your sin and for mine. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised to life again. And if that is who you are, if you've turned in repentance and belief, then you are part of God's church, the whole the Catholic, the universal, God's church. Now to be clear, what that means is throughout time and location. So that means the believers who we read about in Acts and the believers at Woodside, White Lake, right here, right now. All. See, the church is where God unites his body. The church is the place where God brings us together as a united body. I have to tell you, when thinking of uniting the body of believers, I can think of no better picture than our faith community. Right here. Us. You might say, wow, that seems a little boastful, a little arrogant. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. What many of you may not know is that the church that you are a part of has a very deep and very rich history. In fact, the church that you are a part of goes back some 200 years. I didn't say five years. I didn't say 10 years. I said 200 years to a place called Pontiac, Michigan. What I'd like us to do is I'd like us to watch this video to learn more. When I was six years old, my parents moved to Pontiac, and that's when we started coming to the church. And last night I figured out that I've been in this church a third of its life. And since it's 200 years old, that's a, a rather long time. I've... I'm, I'm, been a member of First Baptist Church uh, of Pontiac since uh, April of uh, 1967. Uh, I guess that's 55 years if you're good at math. Well, my history with First Baptist goes back all the way to when I was a newborn. I um, was a third generation. Uh, my grandmother was married there. My mother was married there. And then I was born and I attended there as well from being a baby all the way up until Oh, probably uh, elementary school before we moved to this particular building. The morning services usually had over a thousand people in them. Uh, and we had Sunday school back then, and there were probably over a thousand or maybe 11, 1200 sometimes uh, in Sunday school. I remember as a child growing up in that building, and it was so beautiful. Um, the architecture was just gorgeous, and there were so many beautiful um, wood structures there and pews. And one of the really cool things that I remember was um, the pastor's uh, reverends would sit in big chairs at the front of the stage and um, speak to us. When I was a little girl, we got to go up into the bell tower, and we would watch as they rang the bells, and it was the coolest thing ever. I have never experienced anything like that and I probably never will again. And for everyone here at Woodside now, you can see the massive gorgeous bell 
that used to be hanging in that tower, and it's located at the entry of the children's wing here at Woodside. And I came to know the Lord as an elementary school child, and uh, then I was baptized by, by Dr. Savage his last year there. I was discipled by some really great Sunday school teachers, and it was when I was in ninth grade that I made a commitment to the Lord for missions. When I went out to the mission field in 1974, this was my home church that, that sent me out. Boy, it's been a journey. It's like our journey as Christians. Uh, there are peaks, there are valleys. The nature of Pontiac changing, and the leaders back then uh, thought we should examine getting other property and so we moved out here in 1980, Christmas of 1980. Uh, it was just a cornfield. The leadership at that time said we'd be in a sanctuary in uh, 10 years. Well, we didn't get into a new sanctuary until 2014 after we merged with Woodside. One of the wonderful things about coming to this particular building while we were still First Baptists is, you know, we all held on. We just prayed and we thought, you know, God will bring us people when, when God is ready. And then we merged with Woodside, and it started uh, to grow. And it was just such a, a beautiful thing to watch it grow. And over the last several years, um, it has just exploded with young married couples with babies and children. And that always touches my heart when I see a family with children come, because I just think of myself back in the day. I lost my husband six years ago, and this church picked me up and lifted me up. And just to have that love of my family here, my church family, and my pastor um, got me through the roughest time in my life. I think that uh, I'm just thankful to the Lord for all that he's done through this church and in my life uh, to enable me to serve him. We're a lighthouse. We're to put the gospel out. All of us have a part in that. I think if those early settlers back in 1822 could uh, see us now, they would really be uh, surprised uh, as to where we are now and that we've existed this long. And all I can say is, is God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, that is a beautiful picture of the unity that we have in the body of Christ. Now, I want to highlight that because uh, there was, in that video, there was a couple words that were mentioned. There was merger was mentioned a couple of times. And what happened was, uh, as First Baptist of Pontiac moved out here to White Lake, uh, ultimately, you saw a full worship service there. The numbers kind of dwindled over time, and they merged with Woodside Bible Church. And it became the third campus of Woodside and uh, today God continues to bring unity within the church and we are now uh, one of 14 campuses of Woodside Bible Church. So for those of you who were there, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Yeah. Now let's uh, continue in our text. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll pick it up at verse 7. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? For he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And then let's focus on this. And he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, what the Lord does is he takes your talents. He takes your abilities. He takes your interest. He takes your gifting. And he brings them together and he uses them for his kingdom purposes. He uses those things that he has uniquely blessed you with and given you for the community, for other believers, for his church to be strengthened. And so God's church is where he builds up his body. It is within the context of the church. That's the place where God builds up his body. Now, every person here this morning is, in fact, the recipient of a gift. Some may be more than others, but each of us, if we are in Christ, has at least one gift that God desires to use for the building up of the body. Now, for some of us, that means we stand on a stage and preach. For others of us, that means we shepherd through worship or prayer. But not all of those gifts are upfront gifts. Look at verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, he gave the shepherds and the teachers to do the equipping, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so while Pastor Kevin, uh, myself, Jacob, we may have the gifts that bring us up on the stage, our gifts are used to equip you and your gifting. That's our role. Because there are many others in the body of Christ who have gifts that need to be utilized. Let me just highlight a few. Perhaps your gift is hospitality. You have the gift to make people feel welcome, to care for people in a hospitable way. Just to be real candid, this is something that my family has been the recipient of this past week. Uh, We have been walking through some kind of difficult health things in Bonnie's life and our daughter's life and my life. And so we've been walking through some of this. And so we have had the blessing of receiving the hospitality of people in our church. Others perhaps have the gift of administration. You'd say, wait a second, the gift of administration? Yeah, it is a gift, and details matter in the context of the church. The movement of the church in each location does not happen without the gifting of people who care about details. Details matter in our daily lives, and they matter in the life of the church. Or perhaps your gift is giving. 
Many of us have been blessed with an abundance of resources, and that is the way that you give to the move of the gospel in your area. That is the way that you build up the body by giving out of the abundance that God has given you. Or perhaps it's mercy. The fact is the church is filled with people who are hurting, people who are struggling And they need to know the compassion of Jesus Christ and that might come from you. It might come from you as you use your gift to build up the body. So believer, what is your gift? How can your gift be used for the building up of the body of Christ? I love the way one pastor, a guy by the name of Rick McKinley, writes, he describes the power of what happens when God's people use our gift. Here's what he writes. He says, our gifts are meant to be shared in community, for them to flourish in relationship to others. And then he adds this, our gifts can become idols, but in the context of community, they are just that. They are gifts. They are gifts from God to us for us to give away to others. I love that. But the reality is we have many needs within the context of the church. And when I say that, I mean right here, right now in our church. I'm going to be completely honest. We need people with the gift of hospitality. We have a lot of new people coming to our church and we want them to experience the love of Christ when they come into the building. The minute they hit our doors, we want them to experience the love of Jesus. And if you have the gift of hospitality, that's one way that you can do that. In our first service, we baptized a young man named Miles. That doesn't happen without parents who are faithful in communicating the gospel in their home and a team of people like you who pour into our kids and into our students. We have needs there. We have needs if you have the gift of tech. If you know and are savvy with tech, we would love to utilize those gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, those are just a few of the ways that God can use you the way he has uniquely gifted you. I want to be completely transparent with you. Since we have returned from COVID, this is the area that the church, and I don't mean just Woodside, I mean the church in America is struggling the most. People are coming back, but people are not as committed to faithful service. And what that ultimately hurts is us. It hurts the body of Christ. So allow me to ask one more time, in the most pastoral way that I can, how might God use your gift to build up his body? Now, Let's continue with the last segment of our text today. We're going to pick up where Paul left off with verses 14 through 16. So that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, right here, what the apostle is communicating to us is the communicating to the Ephesian believers. Now remember, this is that port city. There's a lot of things happening, and he wants the believers to experience the fullness of the community. And what is he saying? He says, I want you to grow in your faith. That means I want you to grow in the depth and the understanding of sound doctrine. Now, I want to be real here for a moment. A lot of people, when you come in the church, you can say, you know what? Doctrine is for somebody else. I really don't like theology and all that heavy stuff. The fact of the matter is, Paul says we need to be about theology. We need to know sound doctrine. So we're called to grow. We're called to grow in our awareness of the snares of the temptations that come in our lives. We are called to grow in the ability to offer and to receive truth spoken in love. I'm going to say that one more time. We are called to grow in the ability to offer truth spoken in love and to receive it. That's one way that we grow in our faith. And we do all of these things in Christ. We do it in Jesus. Why? Because the church is where God grows his body. The church is the place where God grows and develops his people. But let's be honest now, growing and developing, well, that's kind of hard stuff, isn't it? Apparently, I'm alone in that. You're like me. Adulting can be tough sometimes. I don't necessarily want to do it any longer, and especially when it comes to matters of faith and matters of growing in Christ-likeness. You know, that's what God desires of us. That's what God desires for you and for me, his people, the whole, the universal, the Catholic, the church. That's what he desires for us. And I'm going to tell you, this happens best in the context of other Christ followers. Now, I know it's messy. I know it's difficult. I know it can be complicated doing life with other believers. And yet, that's exactly what God desires for you. That's exactly what he desires for me. This process that we go through of growth, of development, is a process called sanctification. Now, many of you know that I had the privilege of writing a book a few years ago. It was published by Crossway, and it's titled uh, The Unfinished Church, God's Broken and Redeemed Work in Progress. Now, the reason I highlight that is because in the last chapter, I kind of wrapped up the book on this very topic, the process of sanctification. You might say, well, why? 
highlighted what it means to be the church, what it means to participate in the church, to love one another and to encourage one another. Why sanctification? Because the sanctification process is where the whole of the Christian life is lived and experienced. We live and experience God and his grace for us. And as we experience more of him, he grows us in his likeness. And it is this unique combination of our brokenness and his beauty that intersects and that's where God does his work. And that is sanctification. And that is how you and I grow. And so as we close... I want us to proclaim once again the creed statement about God's ultimate building project, his church. But this time what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to know and recognize that God's church is where God's people grow into God's image. That is his church, the whole, the universal the Catholic. So as God's people, let's affirm our shared belief once again. I believe in the holy Catholic universal church in the communion of saints. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.